everybody. This is Willie Donick from the Nashville Predators, and I want to welcome everybody to the Tomahawk Roundup. All right, so what is going on, guys? This is Frank Zorowski here with the Tomahawk Roundup, and I am joined by a familiar voice for Blackhawk fans, Willie Donick, play-by-play voice of the Nashville Predators. Willie, how are you today? I am doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. No worries. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate you uh, figuratively crossing enemy lines. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, down in Nashville, there's no question. You get a lot of response when you start mentioning the Blackhawks-Predators rivalry. That yeah. is for sure. Yeah. So, wanna, wanna, you know, having been with the Predators since 98, how have you seen Nashville evolve from this expansion team to this massive hockey market that we see today? It has been uh, really remarkable to watch. The city itself has grown a ton since 1998. That was the idea, really, when they built Bridgestone Arena, was they wanted to become a bigger city, a more vibrant downtown. And building the arena was really the first thing that they did. And then the teams followed. The Titans and the Predators became part of the market. So we had a major league city all of a sudden and then the city has just grown around it downtown and then the fan base the same way uh they weren't given a lot in terms of expansion it, uh nothing compared to what you see today with the kraken and the golden knights they were really picking from the scraps so it took a long time to build a competitive team but in doing so it built a really good loyal nucleus went through some growing pains for certain but uh, now i think it's a very very strong fan base that's on its second generation yeah, yeah, the second generation. I I remember seeing a video that you did recently, maybe a year or so ago, where you're talking about, you know, the first generation of Predators fans, they didn't have the hockey, and now you've got the second generation who doesn't know anything but Predators hockey. Yeah, I think that that's a really big thing. You could see that happening. You know, I remember the first few years, it was really like all of us were trying to learn it together. Uh, there was a lot that we needed to know about the league, about the game itself. But now you have that, that generation that has grown up with it, that they, they've gone off. They, they started families, right? And they're, now they're bringing their kids sure. to the games. And so uh, I just think the knowledge of the game, the, uh, the layers of the, the different levels of fans that you need to be a vibrant sports market, they're there now. Yeah, they, they really are. I mean, we see that with the Blackhawks and Predators rivalry. I want to I wanna talk about, you know, your perspective on the rivalry from a Nashville side of things. You know, we've seen the ups and downs, you know, the 2010 series, and then we've got the, the sweep that happened in 2016. It's gone both ways, really. How do you see this progressing into the future? Well, it has been a lot of fun uh, to, to watch the teams battle. When, when the Blackhawks started to get really good, that's when the rivalry really took shape. Uh, there, there was a time in the the post-lockout when I said lockout, there's been more than one, right? But remember, they missed the entire season. Sure, yeah, the 04 in 2004, one. 2005, coming out of that lockout, the Blackhawks were a big mess. The Predators actually had really started to get their foundation together. They were ready to add players like Paul Correa, J.P. Dumont, Jason Arnott, and the Predators just crushed the Blackhawks for two or three straight years. Some very poor Blackhawks teams. So I would say if you polled fans about the rivalry back then, Predator fans, wouldn't it wouldn't have been on their radar at all. Probably not in Chicago either. It was really the Blackhawks, I'm sorry, the, uh, the Red Wings that were the main rival. But once the Blackhawks started to get this nucleus with Jonathan Taves and and 
Patrick Kane and that great group that ended up winning three Stanley Cups, and they met three different times in the postseason. That's when it really, really took off, and that's when it became really special. And so I think once you've already got that, I think I don't think it ever changed. Yeah, and you know you've got the you've got the young guys coming up, like Philip Tomasino for Nashville, Alex DeBrinket for Chicago. This is something that's going to continue into the future. You've got the catfish going on the ice. You've got you've got both fans that are really excited about their city and their team and what they both bring. Yeah, I think that when you look at the current predators, that's that's really what they're trying to do right now. They're trying to get younger. You mentioned Tomasino. They've got a nucleus of young players that really started to come on strong last year. And I would imagine the Blackhawks are hoping for that same thing to happen with some of their young players like Kubelik and, and Dabrinkit and Doc and guys like that. Uh, I think that's really the next chapter in this thing is uh, as, as that group grows up and they, they build the rivalry and you have that maybe that next meeting in a postseason not too far down the road. That's how it just continues to, to, to grow. But uh, it's, it is interesting how both teams are sort of in that spot right now where some of the players and the names are changing, but the rivalry is still pretty special. Yeah, the, the the names and faces will change, but the rivalry stays the same. You know, even as a Hawks fan, I did have to root for the Predators in 2017 on that magic run of the Cup Final. You know, walk us through that special time in Nashville hockey when they went on that magic run to the Finals where they ultimately fell against Pittsburgh, but still cemented their legacy in the National Hockey League. Yeah, I, I just, you can't top it. There's nothing like it. You guys have seen it in Chicago. And there's something about that first run. Like, I, I would imagine it's 2010 for a lot of younger Blackhawks fans. You see it for the first time, that climb, uh, one round after the next. And it just builds. You get You get more and more groups of people that jump on the bandwagon each passing day, each passing week. And the next thing you know, you've got these streets flooded with people uh, and some visiting from out of town that just want to be a part of it. So it's, it's like nothing I've ever seen before. And I think the next time it happens, it'll be pretty special, but you know, there's, it's nothing like the first time for sure. That, that was, I, I think, the team itself had a lot of confidence that they were capable of a run like that, but from the outside, especially, uh, you know, when they were the second wild card taking on a team that was a three-time champion and, and that four-game sweep, which is, you know, really unforeseen. I think they believed they could beat the Blackhawks. I think they felt very comfortable that they were not that, not as, not as far below them in, on a talent level as maybe was perceived from the outside. But when the fans watched that happen, it was just electrifying. Yeah, that I, I remember watching it. You know, even even after it, it's like you got to give respect to your opponents because it's like, okay, they've been neck and neck with us. We've beat them, and now they finally took the upper edge on us in 2017, and really just was were able to just catch lightning in a bottle and just take the whole hockey world by storm because, you know, like you said in the first question, you know, it was about bring, uh, Nashville Predators were about bringing Nashville to a forefront to make it more vibrant, make it a bigger city. And I think that run, although it didn't end up winning a cup per se, you didn't win on paper, you won in the long term because now you've established Nashville as this premier destination for National Hockey League talent, locking up a guy like Matt Duchesne on a, on a multi-year, multi-million dollar contract for the next couple of years. 
yeah, that was something that was happening probably six or eight years prior to the run, maybe more like five years prior to the run of 2017. I think you had some players who were becoming free agents that weren't sure if Nashville was capable with the resources they had to to really fund a championship. In other words, spend up to the cap. You know, did they have the following they needed to generate the revenue to really give all the resources necessary to put together a great team? And it took them a while to get out of that, but now it's the opposite. Now I think you have a lot of people seeking out Nashville, and you used a great example in Matt Duchesne. Uh, there are people that they call the Predators. They, they, they say, hey, are you interested? I'm, I'm interested in Nashville. I, I heard it's a great place to live. I heard it's a really well-run organization. And so that's a good thing. You know, and I'm not saying they're the only team that has that, but when you're in that club, right, it makes it a little easier to be able to make the decisions you want to make. You're not at the mercy uh, of trying to go around things uh, and having to be more creative that way. Yeah. It makes your job easier. Yeah, it really does. And talking about your job, Willie, you know, you have a really versatile background with baseball, playing college basketball at Vanderbilt. How do you use that versatility on your calls? And in what way does the versatility help you to bring your calls to the next level? Well, it's a, it's a good question. I, I definitely don't have the background that I would say most of the of the hockey announcers have where, you know, they they have been trained with hockey from a, a fairly early age in their professional lives. A lot of times it's through the minor leagues and then you work your way up uh, in, into the NHL. I, I sort of took a different pathway. My background as an athlete, uh, I think, probably helps me uh, to some degree. Uh, what I've always tried to do, and I, I was sort of forced to do this, trying to learn when the team first got here, you know, what translates? How do, how do we, how do I learn about the game? And also, how do I talk about the game of hockey to the Predator fans who are trying to learn for the first time that have watched other sports? So I think it just sort of evolved from there. You know, I try to, I, I think I still do it sometimes. If there's something that can help a hockey fan understand what's happening in the game, and maybe it's a reference to another sport, then sometimes I'll try to work that in. And I think that's that's partially from uh, necessity when, when I first started. And also my background, uh, you know, being able to say I, I played some other sports, I think hopefully that helps translate. It, it certainly does. It certainly does. You know, I, 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 that's, what I, that's a part of your call that I've taken into mind. It's like this analogy. It's like, okay, reading the defense and in football translates to – Watching where the the guy's eyes are in hockey, where they're where they're looking, if they're gonna look away, shoot, then then do a slap pass versus something else. So I really that's that's definitely something that's invaluable when you're bringing in other sports because it brings in new demographics of people to the game of hockey. Yeah, and that's what you're still shooting for here. You know, even though they've come a long way in our market, I think you're always trying to talk to different layers of fans you know you, you want to have something for the hardcore fans too that know all this stuff they don't need analogies and you're also in that middle level too uh and then 
you have some beginners that you're trying to pull in. I think you're, you're trying to talk to all the different facets of that audience during each broadcast. Yeah, talking to a lot of different people during the broadcast. And one of your signatures has become an overtime call with the signature yes sir moment. I think my favorite was the Matt Duchesne. You know, we talked about him a little bit, double overtime, 4-3 to three game against Carolina a couple years back. Where did that all come from? Where did you get the idea to just exclaim yes sir after these game-winning or series-clinching moments? It just sort of happened one night. Uh, I was doing the radio at the time. I, I did a couple of years uh, of radio play-by-play before I uh, got to television. And I think you're always throwing out different things. Uh, I think, as you know, hockey is a game of repetition. There's so many things that happen over and over within the same game. And so I think that's something that all announcers try to do is try to figure out different and creative ways to say basically the same thing. Right. Um, so I thought, you know, the yes, sir, a little bit was it just sort of happened one night. And I was thinking, you know, is that stick? Does it sound corny? You always are worried about that. But uh, it just it's good punctuation, I think. Uh, being that Nashville is a little more in the south, <laughs> I think is a little bit of a fit, too. Even though I'm not originally from the south, I, I, you know, I went to school at Vanderbilt. And so I think maybe that's a little tie in there that I feel like works some, but Sometimes it's just trial and error, and whatever whatever feels good. Sometimes you don't know why it comes out of your mouth, but if it sounds good, you stick with it. Yeah, sticking with it, even if you don't understand why it's just bubbling up to the surface, and that's that's yeah. happened to me a couple times. And I've I've incorporated it into my calls and radio shows and stuff, and it it really just pays off because when you're not looking for that little aha moment, it just comes to you. Yeah, and I think it's the, the most important thing is it's got to sound authentic. It's got to sound natural. If it's canned or if it's corny, that will hopefully become apparent to you either by the feedback you get or your own self-evaluation. So uh, you might try a couple of different wrinkles before you really find something that sticks. Yeah, at the time, yeah, and that's so that's so important, you know. Shifting gears back to the Predators, Willie, you know, we sat down with a Predator really recently, Rocco Grimaldi, who's currently in Milwaukee but should be back up in Nashville when the league restarts after the holiday break. I, I wanted to pick your brain on Rocco a little bit. What does he bring to the ice in terms of personality and drive with that scoring touch? I think Rocco has handled himself tremendously well during what's happened to him this year. He's been sort of caught in a numbers game. Uh, He was waived, sent to Milwaukee, and could have sold. You know, quite honestly, could have said, I want to be released, get me out of here. But he went to Milwaukee, and he's just lighting it up for the Admirals right now. As we talk, he he had the game-winning goal in overtime last night. He's got 10 goals in 17 games since he sat down there. That's always been something about Rocco is – he, his attitude, you know, you can't you can't keep him down, and so he's gone through some tough things. But as you said, there there may be a chance, and everybody reports back. Who knows uh, if he's going to be needed or not? Uh, I suspect that a lot of the forwards that were on the COVID list here recently will be back, but there might be a new batch of guys. That Rocco will be ready if his number is called. But I, I always admire his attitude because. You know, he'll do anything to stay in the league, and, and I'm really rooting for him to get another opportunity, whether it's in Nashville or somebody else. 
or some other, somewhere else, somewhere else. Yeah, that's that was really apparent when I talked with him at the All State. You know, just the way he carries himself. It's not just on ice performance because he was dominant, even despite when he lost when the the Admirals lost a game to Chicago. When I was in the press box, it was really apparent that he. Whatever he's going to do, he's going to do it to the fullest of his ability. It doesn't matter if it's college, East Coast, American, NHL. He's going to put his heart and soul into everything he does. Definitely. Uh, you, you mentioned the game that he plays against the Blackhawks for the Predators last Friday. Uh, the team is shut down. And so what does he do? He and a couple of teammates jump onto the bus, go back to Chicago and play for the Admirals against the Wolves the next night. Now, that can't be easy to do. You worked hard to get back up to the NHL, and then you're told, you know, you got to go back down to the minors. He's 28 years old. He's way better than the AHL. He's better than an AHL-level player. He's dominant there. He's proven that over and over. Absolutely. So I'm, just, I'm very curious what the next chapter holds for him. Yeah, and I think, you know, talking about that next chapter – Sticking with Nashville, is there somebody we should be looking at in Nashville who Blackhawk fans or people around the league just might not be paying attention to that we should be putting under the microscope and saying, hey, this guy's coming up through the ranks. Look out for him. I think, uh, you know, the Blackhawks fans, they played the Predators so often last year with the, with the alignment where everybody was playing each other eight times, and they've already faced twice. So I think Blackhawks fans are probably getting – familiar with some of the guys that spent a lot of time in Milwaukee that have been, I mean, for lack of a better term, they've been saviors for the Predators franchise. You know, the Tanner Janot and Yakov Trenin, Phil Tomasino coming on now, Alex Carrier. Those those guys are here to stay for sure. I think the next guy that they're excited to see what he's got uh, down the road is a kid named Igor Afanasiev, who is uh, a Russian. He was a second-round pick a few years ago. He's playing in Milwaukee now. He, uh, he's only 20 years old, so he still might be a little ways away, but I think they're pretty excited about him uh, right now, getting some very valuable experience with the Admirals. Yeah, and you talk about the the Admirals and how they've just been a, a pump of talent for the Predators. You know, I, I've been to the Panther Arena a number of times, and they have this mural on the wall, which I know you've most probably seen is where they say the road to the NHL goes through Milwaukee. And that gave me goosebumps. That gave me goosebumps seeing it because it's all these guys that have come through here. Even if they don't make it to the NHL full-time, like uh, a buddy of mine who played for the Admirals for a couple seasons, Darren Hadar, won a Calder Cup in 2002, was only in the NHL for a handful of games, but still credits the Predators organization for his development. Yeah, I remember Darren Hadar well. He was such a great college player. And at the time, Nashville was so desperate, you know, for prospects to come through. They were thin. They, uh, so Darren Hadar was a guy that was watched very, very closely. Had an outstanding overall career. you you, you got to keep in perspective how hard it is just to make it to the NHL. And I, I think probably Darren Hadar be interested to get his thoughts on it today. I think in this day and age of the NHL where uh, I think there's a little more speed and skill involved, it's not as quite as heavy a league as it was when he was in there. You can't get away with as much as far as the hooking and holding. I'd like to see what his game would look like in this day and age. But (laughs) I think the the development of players is everything. And I think with the COVID that's going on right now, I think in the next several weeks as this wave goes through, and it's really, quite honestly, very hard to dodge 
some COVID cases here and there, the organizational depth of all of these teams is going to be tested here. And that's where your, your group in Milwaukee that's coaching the players or wherever your AHL affiliate is, not just your top couple of prospects that you're counting on long-term, but that next group that you might need on a given night, can they go in and fill a role? Yeah, filling the role, you know, that's it's it's all about what your idea of a role is because on one night you might need, hey, we need a fourth-line grinder. Can you fill that role? Or we need a top-line forward. Somebody's out with COVID or out with a broken clavicle, something like that. And that's what makes the sport of hockey so great. Definitely, definitely. It's, it's a great team sport. Uh, take, for example, the Predators. People may have watched the Predators play the Blackhawks last Friday with eight players on the list. So they were redefining roles. They were plugging guys in, but they did a great job of playing the type of team game to give themselves a chance to be successful, and they were able to figure out a way to win in overtime. Yeah, it really it really was a, a fabulous game. I loved watching that one at home, you know, was able to just have finished finals that week. So kick oh, back. Oh, that's re- a good feeling, right? That last final. Yep, that that's last final. Just kick back, relax, and watch a great <laughs> rivalry. Willie, before we head out today, is there anything else you want to add for listeners around the U.S., Canada, and beyond? Well, I would just say that uh, it's, it's great to get to talk to a young broadcaster like yourself, and I know there's probably some other people out there that um, maybe have those dreams. I've been really, really fortunate to be in the position I'm in, so I always try to encourage people to stay with it, um, You know, keep going for it, Always uh, go at it with enthusiasm. Be ready to uh, to jump whenever you get that opportunity because really that's what it takes. You just maybe timing is everything, but prepare yourself for when that moment might jump in. And uh, looking forward to what happens when the league resumes play. Keep our fingers crossed that you can we can get all these games in and enjoy watching NHL hockey and and get that full eighty two game season under our belt and watch the postseason. Get the 82 games under our belt and be ready when the time is called. Willie Donick, voice of the Nashville Predators. Willie, thank you so much for the time. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Glad to.